Welcome to the Plan Vision Podcast, where we share simple, straightforward investment and planning ideas for normal people. The description in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Do not construe this as personal tax, financial, or legal advice for your situation. Hey there, it's Mark Sorrell with the Plan Vision Podcast. Today I have with me Aaron Klein, and I worked with Aaron way back, I think it was about 2009, 2010, and she helped me and my wife buy our first house together, and then just recently we, re- we refied. And I've had a few more clients that have reached out to Aaron as we've gone through this kind of ongoing process of lower interest rates to help them refi as well. And this is a topic that does come up as I talk with my clients. So I reached out to Erin and, and asked if she would be willing to take a few moments to talk with us about kind of the state of the refi market and the process that you would go through. So Erin is uh, with me here today. Hi, Erin. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing great. So Erin, can you quickly explain who you work for and what you do? Yeah. Technically, my, my job title is mortgage banker, and I work for Alaris Financial, which is a federal savings bank. We're also a mortgage broker to a degree, so we're a hybrid model of a federal savings bank and a mortgage broker. In technical terms, mortgage banker means I help people buy and refinance one to four family residential properties. So that could be a single family home, condo, townhome, duplex, triplex, or fourplex. It can be for them to live in. It can be an investment property. It can be a second home. Once you get above five units, that's in the commercial area and that's out of our wheelhouse. And how long have you been doing that or this? 30 years. (laughs) I feel old when I say that. (laughs) So how is your volume of work right now compared to times in the past? Um, You know, the word unprecedented has gotten tossed around a lot this year. And and that is very true in the mortgage industry as well. We have been operating at 300 to 500% capacity since about April. And that's just because we have this unique situation in the economy where everybody's either refinancing to get a lower rate, buying a new home to take advantage of lower interest rates, mm-hmm. buying a second home because they think they might not travel again, or doing a refinance to take cash out and remodel their home. Okay. So let's get into the refinancing process. I asked you this question, and I you know, just want to see what your thoughts are on this, because I don't really track you know, mortgage interest rates. And I would generally think to myself, oh, well, mortgage interest rates just follow other interest rates or the or, or the federal interest rates. Can you explain or at least provide a comment on what factors would most impact the mortgage rates or the refi rates that, that people might be able to get? Sure. Well, and you know, that is a great question. And this is something that's very commonly misunderstood because most certainly mortgage interest rates are going to be influenced by a lot of the same, say, macro events that everything else, the stock market on markets are influenced by. It's going to be world events. It's going to be things like the COVID crisis. All of those Mm -hmm. things contribute to what's happening in the financial markets. But what a lot of times people don't think about is there's on a micro scale, a lot of things that impact interest rates. And by that, I mean, we're talking about what's the client's credit score? What kind of property are we financing? Where's the property located? Is it a single family home or is it a multifamily home? Is it a purchase transaction or a refinance or a cash out refinance? Is it an investment property? All of those things go into what a specific interest rate is for a specific client's loan. How are those, how much are those affected regionally? Is there much disparity between the coasts and the South and the North? Not significant right now. That can change when we start to see areas of the country that are experiencing more financial strife. We might see pricing get a little less competitive in those areas, but right now there's not. Might it be the case that 
a prospective client or a client reaches out to you and says, hey, Aaron, you know, I just Googled this interest rate and this is a lot better than what I'm currently paying. And you do whatever legwork you have to do. And they're not in, they don't get anywhere close to what this, what they saw advertised. Does that happen very much? Um, very much no, but does it happen for sure? I mean, we all have to keep in mind that when we're doing searches on the internet that we're getting marketing, right? It isn't okay. raw data, it's marketing. And a lot of the interest rates and things that get posted on the website don't give you enough data to be able to determine is that rate appropriate to your situation? And is it what it purports to be? Are there a lot of other fees associated that you're not seeing there? And so that's why with each client who's interested in refinancing, I do a specific analysis for them based on their particular situation so they know exactly what to expect. Talking a little bit about the interest rates, how quickly can they move? Is it a, do they move, can they move relatively quickly on a day-to-day basis for mortgage rates? They can. Um, it used to be, you know, if you, if you look back to when I started doing this 30 years ago, we would get interest rates at the beginning of the day. They would stay the same throughout the day. They would close and the next day we would get new rates. That typically didn't, we didn't see rate changes during the day unless there was some catastrophic event. When we went to war in Iraq, when Desert Storm started, we saw interest rates skyrocket overnight. Okay. But other than that, rates really didn't change much during the day. As we sit today, though, technology has evolved to the point that the people who price mortgages function almost like stockbrokers. They sit and watch interest rates all day long. They watch the stock market. They watch, watch the bond market. And yes, we can see multiple rate changes throughout the day. Okay. But even though that can happen, they're typically not significant. We might see small shifts in pricing that give us an idea of where things might be going. But unless there is some major financial issue, we're not going to see giant swings from morning to evening. I see. Okay. Let's talk about the, I may come back to the interest rates a little bit, but let's talk about the process that somebody goes through to refi. I think that there is a, well, in fact, I know I've heard this from clients, that it is a hassle. How can you describe what somebody would need to do or to what information they would need to present you with to refi or just maybe describe the process? Sure. Well, and you know, before we even have a client apply, I always because it is quote unquote a hassle, right? There's a lot of stuff we need to collect. And I don't want to send a client through an application process without first making sure that refinancing is truly in their best interest Mm -hmm. because there's so many things that go into that. It really isn't just the interest rate. It's the cost. It's how long they're going to be there. There's a lot of things that we work through first to say, okay, does this make sense? If it does make sense, then we proceed to the application process. And you know, now we have an online application, which actually is really easy and very user-friendly, but it doesn't do away with the requirement for the documents. And that's what most people consider to be the hassle. And that's going to be things like tax returns, W-2s, pay stamps, bank statements. Um, We try to be real diligent about collecting, being very thorough up front so that we don't have to be chasing those documents later. Because in my experience, what drives people the craziest is if you're constantly calling them and asking them for one more thing. We try to get everything up front so that we then just can have a smooth transaction. So that application, that is a preliminary step maybe to give you information to determine whether or not it makes sense for them to go forward? Is that what that is about? No, the application is actually applying for a loan. So typically we do that once we have determined it. So I have them fill out a questionnaire that tells me what I need to know so I can do an analysis. And then I send them back an analysis via email, lays out what their costs are, what their options are. And I also give them an honest assessment if I think it makes sense. And if I think it doesn't, I'll explain why, because I don't ever want to encourage somebody to refinance if it truly isn't in their best interest. But if we then determine that, yeah, this is a good idea, it does fit with your goals, it does make sense to do, it's worth the cost, then, then we proceed to the actual applying for a loan. Okay. 
So if somebody wants to refinance, they might have different options on different rates and different terms, right? Correct. And so would you present them with a few different scenarios and maybe go through with them the implications of that and then they can make their own decision? Indeed. And that that is... I am very different from a lot of mortgage bankers because a lot of people in our industry, if you say you want to refinance, they're just order takers. They say, oh, sure, we can do that. Give us your information. We'll do what you asked us. I do the analysis for clients first to make sure that I'm identifying things that I understand what is important to them, what their goals are in, in completing the refinance. And then we look at what are the different ways to do that and what might be the best fit for what their specific needs are. What might be variable factors in those? My, I assume it would be the term, the interest rate, and maybe how costs are paid. Is that, would there be other variables? Uh, there are, you know, the client's credit score obviously has a bearing on where the interest rate's going to be. So we want to get a read on how is that going to impact things, what their loan to value is. So how, what percentage of the home's value they're looking to borrow because that can influence interest rates and also what our options are. If you want to take cash out, you can only borrow up to a certain amount of your home. So if you already owe a larger percentage of that, then cash mm-hmm. out becomes not an option. Um, sure. The term, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, all of those things influence. And then the big thing that a lot of people don't think about is how long are they going to be there? And if they're only, you know, if they're planning to sell their house, I have talked to clients who are saying, well, I'm going to sell my house in the spring. Well, we can save you a lot of money in interest, but interest is a savings over time. It isn't an immediate reduction. And so you might save for a couple months and sell your house. It isn't worth the closing costs. So we have that conversation too. I'm curious, uh, have you seen, in light of what's happened to the economy, more people than typical needing to take cash out of their house? I would say we're seeing a lot more cash out refinances, but perhaps not in the way that you were thinking in terms of people needing to take cash out. What I am seeing primarily with my clients who are doing cash out refinances is that they are doing it to improve their home. So I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm cooped up in my house. I've been here for nine months. All the little things about my house that bugged me nine months ago started to drive me crazy about seven months ago. And I decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take care of those things now while I'm home. And I have a lot of clients doing the same thing, doing remodeling to add home offices or put a pool in the backyard for their kids. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that, that the more we spend time in our houses in light of this, that people could reassess the quality of life they're having in their house and maybe just take some of the equity out of it. Just out of curiosity, when this first started, were you, I don't know, if, you know, I, I assume you would have more awareness of housing prices in general than the average Joe out there. Were you, would you have speculated that the housing markets would have stayed strong? From my take on it, the housing markets are still quite healthy around the U.S. Is that true? And, and would that have been your speculation eight, eight or nine months ago? It would not have been my speculation eight or nine months ago. In retrospect, you can look back and you can say, okay, it makes sense that the people who didn't want to remodel their homes and who were in the stable job could take advantage of low interest rates to buy a new home that maybe better accommodated their needs for working from home, schooling from home. Um, and, and that's what's made this period of time so interesting because either people are remodeling their homes or they're buying a different home if they are in a financial position to be able to do yeah. so. But at the outset, no, we, we were a bit concerned. There was some slowdown due to COVID. People stopped showing homes out of fear for how it was yeah. being transmitted. And so that came back after a couple of months. And really, we lend all over the country. We lend in 47 states. And every place my clients are making offers, they're competing with many other people still to this day. Yeah. So the lock-in, 
I know that we went through that process and I think it was March or April. I can't remember precisely when we refinanced our house. Can you explain how, what, at what point the lock-in of the rate occurs and, and, and just how it, how it guarantees, how it's guaranteed? Well, and if, if we're talking about a refinance, we don't actually proceed at our company with a refinance unless the client's rate is locked in. And the reason for that is you know, neither you nor I know where rates are going to be 30 or 45 days down the road. And the last thing we would want is for a client to say, invest money in an appraisal, not have a rate locked in. And all of a sudden rates go the wrong way. Doesn't make sense for them to refinance anymore. And now they're out the money on an appraisal. So because refinancing is a opportunistic endeavor, it doesn't make sense to move forward with processing refinance unless the client has locked their rate. Once we lock the interest rate for a client, then there's a period of time within which they're expected to close and we, we make sure that they close within that period of time. Okay. So their rate is guaranteed all the way to the day of closing. So the lock-in has this person that's trying to understand. So the, the, the client's qualified, they're ready to go. They wanna do this thing and they say, yes, lock me in. And it's, it's 247 on a Tuesday afternoon. And then you send your email or contact to the underwriter as it were, whoever's buying the loan and you got a deal. That's what happens, right? Um, yeah, I, I wish it were that simple. No, <laughs> um, what, we have to have a full application from the client first. Yes, because I assuming have that's in place. So assuming we have the full application, once we get the full application and I've reviewed and reconciled it, I actually schedule a WebEx call with the client or a phone call with the client. We walk through, we fine tune the loan amount. We talk about the little different moving parts of a refinance. We talk about how things are calculated. And then we look at pricing live together and we get their interest rate locked in and, and there's an electronic method of doing that. So once we've looked at rates, we've decided what we want to do. I go in and, and instruct my secondary marketing department to lock the interest rate for that client. I see. Because I know we actually got a very good rate, a rate that I'm very pleased with, but we did drag our feet. And at that moment in time, it did cost us a little bit in the refi rate. So to the extent that your clients drag their feet and don't get the paperwork in, that could affect, that, that will affect their ability to lock in, maybe for the better, but but potentially for the worse, obviously. It does. Some people are, are glad they drag their feet and other people are not. Yeah, that's the way it goes. <laughs> So just a couple more questions. Let's talk about the refinance costs and how those can be paid for. And I guess what I'll do is I'll give you maybe just the opportunity to, to, to freelance on this answer on um, what I don't know, maybe what your thoughts are on what is the best approach for somebody to take. I'm sure it can vary from person to person, but how can somebody pay for their uh, refinance costs? Um, there's really there's really four different options. You can pay them in cash. So if you wish, you can plan to come to closing with money. Um, you can finance them into your loan as long as you have enough equity. So that's something we always have to look at what percentage of the home's value are we borrowing and does financing the cost make sense within the context of yeah. that transaction and that value. Um, you can actually take a higher interest rate to offset closing costs. That's what we typically refer to in our industry as a low cost or no cost refinance. That simply means that a lender will pay more money to buy a loan with a higher rate and that extra money is used to pay the client's closing costs. That isn't a great idea for a lot of people because a higher rate over time will cost more, but it can be a good yeah. solution in certain situations, or there can be a combination of all three of those options. What's best really? I mean, this is something I tell my clients all the time, whether they're buying a home or refinancing is what's best for your neighbor or your father or your brother or your sister isn't necessarily what's best for you. Everybody's financial situation is unique and we really need to look at what's their cash flow. Do they have the ability to come to closing with money? Does it make sense to borrow that money? 
and talk about what other factors influence their budget in making a good choice. Okay. I, I said I had two more questions. I actually have three more. I want to get to the final one here in a moment, which you and I chatted with uh, before the, the, the session. Can you describe the process as it is for you now on how somebody goes through the refi? Because I'm sure you're like a lot of businesses, there's been changes. And maybe from maybe just do a quick overview from beginning contact to the, fi- to the final process, just so sure. people can understand how that would work. Um, we still always do the analysis first. So when a client uh, contacts me and says they're interested in refinancing, I send them out a short video explaining what we look at and a questionnaire asking them to just complete this short two-page questionnaire telling me things about their situation, their mortgage, their goals. They send that back to me. I then sit down and do an analysis and say, you know, here's how the numbers look. Here's what your options are. Would I recommend you refinance or would I not? Um, From there, I leave it up to them to let me know what they'd like to do. If they then say, yes, I do want to go forward with this, I send them out a link to the virtual errand because (laughs) in the before days, we often would meet in person and that's not the case anymore. So the online application is is where it's at. Um, They fill out the online application. It prompts them for documentation that's needed as based on the answers that they give. Once that's complete and they've finished the application and uploaded everything, I get notified so that I can go in, review and reconcile what they sent to me. And then from there, we schedule a time to meet via WebEx or phone so that we can go over all the little nitty gritty pieces because I will say, could we do this all electronically without talking to each other? We could, but is mm-hmm. that in the client's best yeah. interest? No, because there's a lot you can lose in that in that communication. So I like to walk people through things, make sure they understand how things are working. And then when we're talking in, on the phone or in the WebEx is when we go look at rates, lock in the rate, fine tune the loan amount. And then from there, it's we're at the start line. Okay. So I do want to ask a question unrelated to refi, but this comes up and it's an interesting point because, or an interesting topic I have over the years had several clients in their late 50s, early 60s who never got the house that they wanted to. So they're in their 60s. Now they want to either build a new home or significantly remodel their house. They need money. They need to do a mortgage. And, and of course, there are, there are many retirees who say, well, I'm not going to take on a mortgage. And they just don't want to do it. But for many of my clients, I definitely encourage them to do this. You only get one life. And if you want to have a really nice home that you that you have been dreaming about for quite some time, I definitely would encourage them to look at it. And many of them are in a financial position to do this. But the question that I get is, oh, can I get a, can I get a, um, a mortgage as a retiree? And I've, I've, said, oh, yeah, I think you can. I mean, I'm sure that you can. Uh, but uh, um, I did want you to provide some thoughts on your experience with retirees and how they can go about qualifying for a home loan. Yeah, well, and you know, that's it's a good question because I actually have a lot of clients who have that question that they consider themselves retired and they think, well, who's going to lend me money? I don't have a source of income. And we do have to prove a source of income that's acceptable for mortgage purposes for repaying the loan. That's one of the things that changed after the housing bubble. We can't just lend on the basis of how much money you have in the bank and what your credit score is. We have to show a source of income that's sufficient to support the debt to income ratio for repayment. But for most retirees, I find that most of my clients who are retired, they're they're getting some form of income, pension, social security. They don't think of that really as a source of income, but it is. We can use that for qualifying. But then the other thing we have to remember is a lot of these people have a lot of money sitting in an IRA or a rollover 401k. 
and they are of an age where they can take distributions on it. And all we need to do is set up a monthly distribution if it's needed for qualifying. Sometimes it's not, but if we're a little short on income for qualifying, we need another thousand dollars a month. They can set up a monthly distribution okay. from the IRA. We prove they get it. We can use that for qualifying. Okay. And they don't have to continue the monthly distribution for all of time. I it see. needs to continue long enough for us to give them the mortgage. Understood. Understood. <clears throat> well, Aaron, this has been fabulous. Uh, excellent information. I certainly continue to hear from clients on refi and some just haven't gotten around to doing it, but I think it's such a wonderful time to do that. What would be the best way for people to contact you? Um, generally, I would say the best way to contact me is via email. Um, that allows me to keep track of things a little better than texting does. Um, my email address is E-R-I-N dot K-L-I-N-E at Alaris, which is spelled A-L-E-R-U-S as in Sam, dot com. But they can also contact me via phone or text. It's just email tends sure. to be a little easier way. And my um, my cell phone number is 612-202-1459. And to finish the thought here, and by the way, me and my clients can contact me directly and I get you Aaron's information as well. I believe that you can work with people throughout the country with just a few states that you cannot work with uh, people in. Is that right? Correct. We lend in 47 states. And, you know, there are a lot of lenders who do out-of-state lending and they do a terrible job at it. <laughs> um, we are very, very particular. And we the only time we expanded our lending nationwide is when we knew we had the resources to do it properly. So we do now lend in 47 states. The only states I cannot lend in are Alaska, Hawaii, and New York. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Aaron. I really appreciate your time. This has been fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Plan Vision Podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or comments on the topics covered.